All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. And our special guest is Bridget Watson Favaro. Bridget is a nurse practitioner who has worked with patients from all walks of life from and from all age groups. As a nurse practitioner, excuse me, as a nurse practitioner, she has worked in clinical areas specializing in geriatric assessments, pediatrics, Aboriginal centers, as well as a specialty in advanced wound care. Bridget's clinical area of focus over the past decade is in cannabinoid-based medicine. She has medical, she has been a medical cannabis consultant for several companies. And recently, or I say recently, within the de- within the decade, three years ago, so 2000, 2020 rather, founded her own cannabis clinic, where she is focused mostly on refer on on her referrals that are specialized consults. We're talking about for pediatrics all the way to complex patients with multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, complex regional pain syndrome, and trigeminal neuralgia. I hope I said that right. Yes. Okay, cool. (laughs) And she has her own clinic in, in Canada, in Ontario, Canada. So from Ontario, Canada, Bridget, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm good. Thanks. Excellent. So, uh, so, you know, we'll get right into it. You got the questions in front of you. We've both been chatting for a little <laughs> bit, getting to know each other before we hit record here. And uh, a decade ago, within the last decade, yeah, these things happened. And what was going on in your life that took you to that point or brought you to that point where you decided that cannabis and cannabinoid medicine and the age groups that you you're looking at the whole lifespan you're looking at from pediatrics to geriatric and when when did you what was going on in your life when you decided to make that step um well during that time i was um consulting for a lot of different companies so i i was kind of going, go, go, going, I guess, pretty much from all of these different companies and just kind of looked at it and just thought I need to, I don't know necessarily know if it was slow down a little bit, but just thought I should probably just be doing this more for myself um, and being able to concentrate more on um, more the complex patients um, since I was being asked to see a lot of those complex patients at those companies um rather than just kind of the the usual patient so to speak for for cannabinoid medicine um so you know rather than getting 10 15 minutes for um those really complex patients i wanted to be able to focus in more on those patients and spend you know 45 minutes an hour um to really dig into what those patients were about um and i had a really strong desire for um, a lot of those complex patients, specifically um, complex diseases such as MS, um, autoimmune diseases, progressive diseases, specifically MS, since I myself have MS, um, and that's kind of what got me into this area. So um, I had a really great response to uh, cannabinoid medicine, so um, have had MS for going on 18 years. Um, and I really was hesitant to try cannabis. Um, I went kind of the traditional route for many, many years and had my own pain specialist, um, say to me, I can't even tell you countless times, just try, just try some weed was his exact words. Lovely, lovely man. Um, and (laughs) he really get just kept saying it. He's like, you know, I've we've tried several different things. You're not, you're not responding well to them. Why don't you just smoke a joint, have some weed? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. Uh, you know, I'm I need my brain, I need my brain, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, one night I finally just did it and (laughs) had a really great response to it was, you know sitting up laughing in bed and you know was able to eat and was like what you know later the next day I was like what is this what is this why did it work so well you know and just really had to kind of dig into the plant itself and why did that work and how did that work and you know why was I not open to this like what were my reservations about this plant um and you know years later I've 
it was probably like eight years later, I finally actually went back medically to this plant and said like, we need to, we need to start using this medically for people. Why aren't we like, I myself need to start saying this to people. Why aren't you using this? Why aren't we doing this for someone? Um, because it, like it, I was using it, but I wasn't talking to it, yeah, talking about it to my patients. So, and that's when I clinically started using it with my patients and talking about it as a medicine versus just closetly using it. So it really made a huge difference. And then when I started to, um, to open my own clinic, it was, that was going to be my complete focus. And that was really it. And really start focusing in on those patients and saying, this is a medicine for everyone if it is appropriate for them, not just the select few patients that I think are going to be okay with it. It was, if your condition warrants it, you will have it, whether you're three months old or 103 years old, you will have it at my clinic if you, if it fits your criteria, if there's no adverse contraindications. That's cool. I think that's very cool. And that's very, very brave too. Because <clears throat> I mean, you know, a lot of people might shy away from pediatrics but yeah. when you look at the drugs that are being prescribed to kids to treat them uh a lot of that stuff is not good i mean oh and that's that's when you go okay which of the two you know which one is a plant and which one is a pill <laughs> you know so exactly it's pretty it's exactly pretty brave. it's pretty brave yeah, exactly. And for sure, there's a lot of controversy around it, right? And that's where we have to kind of look at. And we have that huge open discussion with the guardian, right? The parent, the, whomever that we're, we're meeting with. And it really comes down to what is, you know, you're the parent, you have to make the open risk versus benefit for your for your loved ones or my dogs in the background there. Sorry, right, don't, <laughs> don't worry. I don't do it. I don't publish any video. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, right? They, they are aware, you know, there's limited research on, on cannabinoid medicine and pediatrics, but at the same time, the research that is out there is, is quality research that's coming out. Um, and a lot of it is based on the pharmaceuticals that are out there for, from a cannabinoid perspective, that's, you know, the American stuff for epidiolex and whatnot, but, you know, it, it is definitely good. Um, but at the same time, you know, the medication alternatives are often not great <laughs> that they right, have yeah. out there for pediatrics too. So, you know, you're kind of weighing the risk versus benefit. And the results that we tend to see are phenomenal. And plus, a lot of times, the alternative for their child is if it's for cancer, it's not great, right? So it's like you usually are willing to do what anything for your child at that point. Or if it's, you know, uh, refractory epilepsy or, you know what I mean? It's like, what what's the alternative, right? So you're, you're going to do what you're going to do usually. No, no, I, I, I agree. And that, and that's... And that's what that's what's that's what I'm saying. It's also really brave because when when you, when we're speaking of it, it sounds like it's you know what people call a no brainer, right? It's like why would you not try something natural before you take this plant that has this list of known side effects? And you've got some testimonies of people. You know, you can find people that have written responses to how they or their family members responded to medications, and oftentimes that stuff's not good. It turns them into a, uh, you know, you know, the quality of life is, is not what it should be. I'll put it like that. It's quality of life is not what it should be. And uh, it's a plant. So yeah. when we're speaking about it like that, it, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, how could you not do that? But just like yourself, when you had that stigma, that, that stigma, it was, I'm guessing it was the, uh, you know, the marijuana is a drug, just like cocaine and heroin and methamphetamine and, yeah and all that stuff so how do you how do you find how do you deal with that did you find is i don't mean like do you have like a a way like a, a system of dealing with it but but do you uh are, are you uh coming across it more often or do you find that the stigma is starting to wane um i think since legalization mm -hmm. um the stigma is is less for sure like People are more open to having that um, that conversation. Um, definitely, my senior population has increased. I would say 
twofold. Like, you know what I mean? Like definitely it's, it's been a huge increase. That's probably, oh gosh, like 70% of my population now is like, and not just like, you know, 65 and over, I would say like 80 and old and older are no now kidding. huge, a huge, <clears throat> huge population base, right? That's... Like they have gone from like probably 25% of my population to now they're, you know, like 80% is what you'll see, right? Um, but, and that definitely since legalization, because they're not afraid to come in and have that conversation now because it's, well, you know, so-and-so at my church group said, and, you know, my, my son's friend, or, you know what I mean? Like my granddaughter said, so it's all those fun conversations and they're very open to it now. Right. So that's a huge plus because they're definitely a huge population that needs it right with the a lot of what they're dealing with so like pain wise and um it's just because people are living so much longer now and just the quality of life that they get the improvement that they get or has been a huge change and they're just they're the biggest advocates for it too once they have success right like they just um they can't say enough about it, right? Whether it's from like the topicals to CBD to the combination. And the funniest thing that I find, that I find with it is you're, you think they're just going to want to be strictly like CBD um, or they're just going to want to be a topical. And then the next thing, you know, the next appointment you have with them and they're like, they're, you're the number one vapors, right? Like they're just like, well, I tried the topical, but then I thought I would try vaping and it. it's my favorite thing to do right before bed because it gets me right to sleep. And, you know, just like the, you know, no, they don't it's, care about stigma. Like they just, once they, once you have the first conversation, they just go, you know, two feet, like jump head first, right? They're not even like, they're, they're just, they're, they're my favorite group to deal with. Honestly, they really are because they're not, they just don't worry about anything. They really don't. I think that's pretty cool because <clears throat> the seniors are the ones who have been put through the medical system for their whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're the ones that have been doing it and in that system. And now here they are saying, this is what works best. And everybody try. I think everybody has, you know, home remedies and everybody tries home remedies whenever they're sick or got an ache or pain or an injury or something like that. But to overcome the home remedy of marijuana, <laughs> that that is and among the senior citizens. I can definitely I can understand it because pain, you know, you live that many years. We got pain and you're tired of, of being in that system and getting the same result and the same drugs that cover or similar type drugs that cover symptoms and don't address root causes. And, and uh, I can see how they could be vocal advocates of marijuana yeah. for sure. And it's cool to hear that. It's cool to hear it because, you know, you don't always hear that. And I know talking with Sherry Bennett, she, who kindly introduced us very nice out of very nice. I think she's in Richmond Hills, right? Richmond Hills, Ontario, yeah. Canada. That's where she is. Hello, Sherry. Hello, um, Sherry. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Another great advocate for cannabis. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's always said the same thing. Well, something similar to what you're saying, but you're the first person who's been a guest and said it from a clinical perspective where your patients are are mostly senior citizens. But but yeah, it's uh it's it's refreshing and 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 it's <clears throat> I think it's encouraging too, because if you see people at that age still unwilling to listen that's kind of you know you kind of want to yeah. you, know, you kind of just like oh i hope that heart isn't too full of stone so that is encouraging very encouraging bridget thank you yeah. that was nice so uh <clears throat> what do you think about i i do find canada fascinating because canada rolls this stuff out before the united states how yeah. what, what are your thoughts on on how Canada, the Canadian government is regulating marijuana. And I mean, across both medical and recreational, just across the board. Just what are your thoughts? Oh, <laughs> um, well, I think, hmm. I think the way they rule out, they rolled out the, um, the legalization of cannabis was, I think they did, I think they could have done a better job for sure. Um, I think the way they the way they they thought about it was a good thing. You know, they tried to do 
the three kind of main goals was was a good thing, right? So, you know, they were trying to protect public health. They wanted to keep it out of the hands of the youth. They uh, were trying to, you know, stall out the black market, right? Did we get all any of those right? Yeah, we, we you know, we, we kept it out of the hands of the youth. That's for darn well sure, you know, with all that uh, packaging and, and, uh, and all the... Uh, the red tape, absolutely. So that we definitely did. We have not eradicated any of the black market. If anything, that's thriving. So we're we're nowhere better off from that perspective. Um, so those are kind of the areas that we we didn't. The rollout was way too slow. So we've pretty much killed our any type of money that we could have been making off of cannabis. Um, so that kind of was. We, we 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 kind of screwed up there royally um and i think the biggest er- issue was that with the slow rollout with the whole lottery program i don't even know what that was about i can't even you know and then we just kind of opened it up so now we have this like huge overabundance of licensed producers that we don't know what to deal with you know we i think we're like 840 and counting right now um and but we really just have this like monopoly of these like huge conglomerates that are taking over so these little small craft mar- like growers just can't even make it so we went from like where we had no cannabis in the early stages when we first had legalization to within like not even two years of this mass overproduction so now prices are being slashed to almost 50%. So all these little tiny companies can't even make it. And they're just folding left, right, and center. And the rec market is literally seeing like prices, as I said, like over 50%. And yet the medical market are not even seeing barely any cuts whatsoever. So we're still seeing mass price increases from where we would see like two and a half years ago, you would see prices at like $6 a gram to now they're like $13 a gram. It's astronomical. So we're still seeing price hikes and the rec market are seeing price reductions. So you can get things cheaper on the med- on the recreation market than you will on the medical market. You can see better product selections on the recreation market than you'll see on the medical market. Um, so a lot of frustration on the medical market for sure um, to where you're even seeing in the early stages products from the medical market being taken and shipped to the recreation market so we were actually losing products so that the recreation market could get up and running um, like divergence of our products um, to where patients were actually being denied products so it was it was quite a catastrophe. So that was a huge letdown for advocates and like medical people that needed it. Um, we're literally built the bat, like we built, like the entire market was built on the backs of medical patients were then losing out. So that was devastating to actually see and was quite upsetting. And then the companies that actually were there originally for medical patients then just pulled right out of the medical market and went directly to recreation as soon as they saw like dollar signs. Um, so that was really upsetting. Some really good, good companies. Um, so that's that's where I feel really let down from a medical perspective. Um, and then some of those companies actually went under because they just, they thought it was going to be this huge money maker, um, And it just, didn't turn out to be because all the excise taxes, all the extra packaging, all the legal security measures that they had to have in place in their storefronts and their growing their grow rooms, all this extra stuff that they didn't see was supposed to happen um, had to happen from Health Canada perspective. Um, and that's unfortunate, but at the same time, it, I, you know, it, it's one of those things that we do have to protect the youth and and we do have to have certain things in place and there's a lack of advertising that they're allowed to do just like from like a tobacco perspective they put that in place and I know a lot of people want that lifted 
But I also think from a health can, like from a public health perspective, if we start lifting a lot of these things, are we going, the positives that we've seen come out of this, are we going to start seeing negative negatives come out of that? I'm not too sure if I want some of that lifted. The, some of the packaging, I think we could, we could see lifted. Um, from a medical perspective on those, I would like to see lifted, but I don't know if I want to see them lifted from the recreational perspective. Cause again, that's keeping kids safe. Like when it gets into the homes, right? Because even in the early stages and we still are seeing admissions to hospitals from children be from getting into cannabis and pets, I, we're seeing them as well at vets. You know what I mean? So if we start lifting more of the packaging from those, I, I don't know, right? Like we we might see even more of those. Um, but from a medical perspective, we've, we've seen more packaging go on than we had previously um, and more restrictions on our like syringes that where we pull, you know, like when we drop for our, our oils, we used to have one mil syringes and they brought them down to point um, five. Some of them have even brought them down to point three. Um, you know, med as medical patients, where you don't need to be drawing up for like syringes when we used to only have to drop one, those yeah. kind of things, right? So yeah. <clears throat> we're making more restrictions on medical patients because of the recreation market. It's really, they they should be separate entities. So those are the kind of things that when I look at it, I'm like, where are we, where we need to distinguish those two things? Like don't put more plastic packaging on us when we all have, you know, issues like you know as ms patients and arthritis patients and you know like quadriplegic patients and things like that it's like we don't need more packaging to be opening things or you know stroke victims like we we can't have those types of same issues we should have separate packaging altogether so i don't i don't know that we need to be looking at the same types of issues so um but i think there were some areas as i said that i we did do well on um and I think some of the big issues was that, you know, we had these, you know, business people get into cannabis that weren't looking at, you know, selling even cannabis. They were looking at selling like the equity versus anything else. Um, and they were started, you know, throwing in millions, billions of dollars before they even had a facility and before we even knew what the structure was going to look like. Um, and I think we just didn't look at perhaps what the whole outcome is going to be. And we allowed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of places to open. Like I'm in Niagara Falls and you can literally go to one street corner and you can see three cannabis places. <laughs> um, it's insane. You know, we used to like joke about like Tim Hortons, like you can, you can see one on every street corner. It's, it's a thousand times worse for cannabis places now. Like I think we just allowed way too many to open way too fast and now they're just folding and it's sad, unfortunately, mm. because I think it could have been a really good thing. Um, you know, like there's when there's more cannabis places than there are like liquor stores and variety stores, like it's just kind of crazy. Um, mm. But there, there is a place for them for sure. And I think even just having to order your cannabis as a medical patient over the, the computer and not being able to go to a recreation place and still be able to claim that like there's just different things like why can't it be at a pharmacy and why you know what I mean there's just so many different little entities and ins and outs that are so complex for patients to understand too um, it's just it's such a different entity into itself from a being medical to being a recreation to you know and it's so hard for people to understand so it's like well why can't I just go to my dispensary down the road to get my right. to get my medicine or why can't I go to my <clears throat> pharmacy and it's like I don't why <laughs> you know you tell me why <laughs> if I knew why I would you know I, I I don't know why you know why can't you go to your dispensary and pick that up and you know why can't I as a medical professional have an office in a dispensary and then come out and tell you here's the product I want you to get well because it's not the same product that is in the your medical you're a medical licensed producer because that's the same. It's not regulated the same way. It's not what you get on the shelf today isn't going to be the same as you're going to get six months from now versus what you get medically there is going to be the same because it's tested differently. So trying to explain that to a person, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> they kind of get it then, but sometimes you're like, no, they, they don't really get it. So I'm like, well, then why can't we have it at a pharmacy? And there is an amazing pharmacy in Ottawa called 
hybrid farm mm-hmm. and they have a system that's beautiful and it literally is there's a clinician on st- on site um and you can see her remotely as well um and or if, but if you see her in there she will go through like she'll medically assess you she'll tell you what product you need they have it on site or you can order it if you see her over the phone you can order it over the phone and it's all there it's just farm like all in one so it's this hence the hybrid like they'll just do everything right there for you um and then it'll just you can so you can pick it up there or it can be delivered to you to your home like it's just exactly what it should be like any other pharmacy right on. It's like, <laughs> this is exactly the way the system should be right just so people don't get confused and it's a, like any other pharmacy too so you can get your other medications there as well so it's like hmm. come on why can't this just like it needs it's not a pilot program, but I'm like, that program needs to be piloted in every other province and every other city in Canada, because it just makes sense. Um, but I don't know why it's not. So I'm hoping that it's going to be um, at some point, another. So shout out to Hybrid Farm in Ottawa. You guys are rocking it. So right on, right on. That's cool. That is very cool. I like I, you got it's 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 I like listening to you, Bridget. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Um, you want to you want do you want to share anything with listeners about what you got planned for the rest of 2023? Oh, or um, anything into the future after that too? Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be limited to just that. Um, what do I got going on? Um, just uh, doing a lot more of what I've been doing. Open things up in my clinic to see a lot more. Uh you know, a lot of different medical things. So a lot more female related issues and uh, mental health related uh, things and some life coaching and um, that kind of a thing, hoping to uh, attend some more cannabis conferences and uh, lift conference in Vancouver, hopefully, fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just all things cannabis is kind of my future. (laughs) That's the way i like it right um, on <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right right on well we're going to transition to the second half of the podcast and this is okay. where we talk about belief systems and uh we talked about it a little bit before we hit record so it's kind of funny yep. <laughs> but were you raised with uh we were raised raised with a religion or belief system or the uh the absence of a religious belief system um, so I was raised uh, as a Roman Catholic uh, in my household. My mother was Roman Catholic. My father was Protestant, actually. Um, but we were raised very much Roman Catholic with uh, going to church every Sunday with my mother. My I have two sisters um, until basically I was of the age that I was able to make my own choice if I chose to attend church or not. And I made the decision to no longer (laughs) attend. I think it was more of the age of like, yeah, I don't want to get up that early. (laughs) Um, I'd rather, you know, spend the, spend the day in, in bed and just, and just not. Um, And I just never really had a belief, a strong belief kind of one way or the other from that kind of religious point of view. And I think I always just kind of had that mindset of um, just, you know, um, more the scientific mind so to speak I think and just never really had like a pull one way or the other and just thought like well if I don't feel strongly I just really shouldn't attend so to speak um and then that was kind of my my thinking um and then no one ever really forced it upon me so I just kind of had that that thought process did you say your dad was Catholic and your mom was Protestant? My mom was Catholic and my dad was Protestant. Okay. How did how did that work? How did that work out? Usually, you know, typically, stereotypically, stereotypically, yep. the two <laughs> denominations don't get along. <laughs> but uh, um, how was was there any was there was there anything different about it? Was just kind of like yeah, they're just fine. Yeah, they were just pretty, pretty. It was always pretty chill in my house. Um, like my dad would attend like our services if there was anything like special kind of going on. Um, but no, I always found um, it if we ever went to anything for my dad's um, like church or whatever um, that I always liked <laughs> his 
style of church better. I maybe it's just more like the feminist in me or something because there was a female pastor and I think I always liked that and she was allowed to get married. And I think I always that was always kind of my resentment to the Catholic Church was that um, you know, they couldn't marry. There was never allowed to be any females. You couldn't even have like um like the altar boys were always boys. You couldn't even be an altar girl. Like there was never any of that kind of thing. So I think I always had some resentment towards all of that right and even as when I was young I was always like that's not doesn't make sense why can't you be a girl why can't you be a girl priest and why can't this like it was always just some bitterness in me with that kind of stuff right so I don't know so I think that always just turned me off <laughs> from the catholic church it is kind of it, it's yeah I mean I know I know a lot of people who grew up catholic and and, and are catholic now and and uh and they really do embrace the the belief system and 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 it helps them and and that's where i'm like i i understand that too at the same time i also i've been on the other end of it where where i i was in your shoes or something similar to your shoes also where it's kind of like oh you know the um it comes across as man-made rules more yeah. often than not and that's and that's that's the problem with that that i had with it that i had with it and and, and other denominations that are that i would call legalistic in other words they yeah. they uh they put the they put the weight on the person and you have to wonder why they're putting the weight on the person because that's not what the new covenant is all about at all so Catholic and Protestant, the same home, and it was still pretty cool. That's not bad. That's pretty good. That's good. That's good. Better than hearing war at home. Yeah. <laughs> Better than hearing that. <laughs> so um how have you how has the way you view the world changed since then? Um, so I think I'm just more open to religion in general. Um, not that I still I'm still not a very organized religion re religious person per se but i'm just open to um anyone else's religion religious thinking or spiritual thinking right so i just i look at everyone's thought process differently and what what their thoughts regarding religion is like not just so strictly like you know this is this is how it is there's no upper there's no, you know, heaven, there's no hell, there's no this, there's no that, which is what I got when I was a teenager. That's very much what, what I thought, right? Because it was very much, you know, scientific. And anyone who thought that way was, I used to think was ridiculous because it was just, you know, very much like that was it. This is how, this is how we were made. We, you know, this is it. But now it's now very much it's, you know, like there has to be some kind of something else out there because, how did like science can't explain everything right like just from everything that i've seen as as a nurse and that kind of a thing i'm like no this is not it's not just you know we live we die that's it just from even watching people pass as a nurse i've seen so many different things i'm like okay no there's there's a, there is definitely a higher being out there <laughs> so i think it's just much more enlightened in my thinking and um and you know there has to be some it's i'm much more curious about what else is, is out there um for, for sure uh i, I think there, that's cool yeah i think there's no, that's cool. just definitely some something to be said about what else what else is is going on in our in our world and the creator or, or what whatever you want to call it right i i just that's perfect because that's the next question yeah, that's you know what i mean question. like i think it was like something to do with i can't there's always a quote i always like to i think it was like stephen hawking was had said once like the odds of our universe emerging out of like the big bang um are so enormous that it it must have religious implications so that's one of those things that I'm like Stephen Hawking thought that it can't be. It has yeah. to be. <laughs> so the, actually, let me. We're, we're going to continue on that because that is the next question. What do you think <laughs> about 
the life, the universe and all life in it? Is it the result of a series of accidents or do you think it's, there's an intelligent designer behind it? Sounds like you think that there's some type of intelligent designer behind it, but let's keep going with that train of thought. Um, yeah, I would definitely think that, um, that there has to be something, someone else outside of, like, I don't, th as I said, I don't think it could have just happened out of, you know, just, you know, I heard, I heard you say creator and that, that caught my attention yeah. when you said creator, <laughs> because that's the way I think of it too. Creator actually. Yeah. I think that there had to be something else other than, you know, just as I said, like the big bang or something like that, that happened. I think there had to be some kind of other creator or other being that, that had something to do with, uh, with us being on this earth um, that brought chaos to, <laughs> to this dimension. Um, and, you know, uh, as I said, like I, it's not just our earth, there's Mars, there's, you know what I mean? There's, there's other life forms and entities to, to the, to this planet. So I, you know, there, there's something that brought, that brought all of this madness together. And I think that that definitely wasn't just by accident. Right on, right on. All right, Bridget. One last question. We're we're tracking on time. I, I I we are tracking on time. This is perfect. Do you believe in life after this life? And if you do, do you believe there's some form of payment that's due upon death? Oh, that's a heavy question. It is. It is a. <laughs> it's a heavy one. I know. But you know what? I think that people mull this over deep in their heart every day, and it just gets covered over with all the cares and concerns of what some people would call the tyranny of the moment. And, uh, but you're right. It is a deep one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do it. That's why we do it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think, Bridget? Um, well, I can honestly say, I do not know what happens, obviously, uh, what happens when we die. Um, but um, I do not believe that life on this earth is impermanent. Um, I would like to think, or I guess I should say, I'd like to believe. <laughs> that's an interesting decide that uh, that's <laughs> difference between the two. I understand yeah. that. I understand that completely. Yeah. Um, that that. Um, yeah, I'd like to believe that when that the when this life ends, that we that we that we don't end. That there is something bigger and hopefully better <laughs> um, for us if we are so deserving of that. Um, and I can say, as a nurse um, and having worked in long-term care and other areas where I've seen a lot of passings um, that I've seen many patients at the end of their life, right before they've passed on, tell me um, and tell their loved ones that they have seen people calling them saying, I see my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my spouse, who have been deceased for many, many years, telling them they're waiting for the telling them to come with them or saying, you know, oh, I see your aunt Jenny. And she says to say hello. And literally like minutes later, they've passed on, um, you know, and every time I've seen it, which I can't honestly, it's countless times, like it like gives you chills that you know you just you you could be sitting there crying with them um you know sometimes it's been like their child that has passed on before them and they're saying I'm, i can't wait to see them i have to go now and you're just you know sobbing and there's no reasoning for it and you're just like there's no physical reason why someone would say that to to you and then they pass away and you're just like well you could just see peace over their face so 
that to me just tells you that something is out there. Why would they want to be leaving this earth to go to nothingness? No, they have a smile on their face and they're going to see someone they love. Um, so why, why would you not want to believe in something like that? And, you know, I always look at people that have said like they have no belief system and, you know, no, I don't believe in God, you know, a true quote unquote atheist. And yet right before they're passing, they're praying to something. So, you know, I always feel like there's, we all truly want to believe in something more. So I believe that they're, there likely is something beyond this earth. And I believe that even if we have, or we may have, oh, have done things in this world, would, is it like a purgatory, so to speak, or what have you? That yeah, we, the Catholicism still sticking around. Isn't that we, exactly. Still sticking that around we there, are Bridget. supposed to <laughs> believe in, in, uh, in, in exactly in uh, Catholic, um, so to speak, I don't necessarily think that. I hope not, because that was a horrible thinking. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that perhaps we we have. Um, will is there like a heaven and a hell or that kind of a thing? I believe that that there is something beyond this world, and I believe that you you will bring something good to where you're going, or you may bring some negativity to where you're going if that's what you feel like. But I think it's more along the lines of you're going to, you're, you're, I think it might be this type of you're, you're, there's a world beyond this place. Is it a good place or a bad place? I don't, I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's really like, if you look at like different, different, places right like yeah. you know is it like people believe in reincarnation are you going to be reincarnated as like a something better or are you going to be worse. reincarnated as something worse right maybe that's what it looks like i don't know i just believe that there definitely is, is hopefully some i definitely or hopefully i believe that there's something beyond this place and i don't know what that looks like but i'm hopeful that it's going to be something whatever you're putting into this world you're going to get back um and i think that's more so yeah maybe it is a penance that you're going to be owing and i think that's more along of what it is so yeah i think it is something like that and maybe it is a little bit of that catholicism that's coming out of me <laughs> so. you know that you know i i, I published an episode with angie roulier from michigan uh, a couple of weeks ago and she was born and raised Roman Catholic. And, and she was saying, yeah, you know, they took purgatory away. And I was like, it sounds like yeah. you're aiming for purgatory. She's like, I was, I was aiming for purgatory. <laughs> and that's when, that's why you said that. I was like, ah, oh, you know, you they know, did. It, I know. I read that too. I was like, what, what are you supposed to do? Cause they, it, it's ingrained in you really. And, and, you know, and that's what, and, and, you know, I want to go back to something you said, you said, I want to think. And you said, no, I think actually I want to believe. And that was, I want, I, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a, I think that's something where a lot of people, too many people mix up. They get the thinking and the believing mixed up as one and the same. And it's not, it's not the same. And when I heard you say that, I was like, okay, she's really paying attention to, to, uh, to, I would say, I would couch it like this, your heart, you're paying attention to your heart and what's going on. And, um, you know, having grown up, so you said it was eight. Well, you were eight years old when your parents asked you if you wanted to keep going to church or not. Um, probably somewhere eight or ten, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay, I thought I was around that. I thought I was around that. I thought you thought I heard you say eight. And uh, and the funny thing is that so I was I was uh my parents were Catholic when I was born, so I was baptized as a baby Catholic, and then then they converted to Mormonism. And uh, at eight is when they baptize kids. And the, at the time, this is what I, I don't know what they're teaching about it now, because they change what they teach, just like a lot of denominations. And um, the, the belief was that now that you're eight years old, you're accountable for your sins. So it's basically it's kind of like you get a free pass until you're eight. After you're eight, no more free pass. And um, it definitely hardened 
the image I had of Jesus and God. It was one that did not want me to make me go towards them. It actually made me want to push away because of the to-do lists of, of the, okay, now that you're baptized, now here's your to-do list. And then pum, 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 pum. And, and you got to do it well. We, we're the judge. We're judging whether or not you're doing it well or not, because we're the leaders. And, and um, that is completely the opposite of what Jesus fulfilled. And I found that similar, something, when you said that, because that, that, that I was brought up, I, I thought of myself and growing up at that age too. And I was just kind of like, wow, because it was at that age for other reasons. There was, there's Mormonism has the, you know, the book of Mormon, right? You've heard of that. Yeah. So, so in there, in there, they, they say that God cursed these people that sinned and the punishment that they cursed them with was to darken their skin. And I was a, a Mexican American. My mother's Irish and English, and um, my father was. I'm third generation Mexico in the U.S. So third, third generation you American on a U.S. on my dad's side. Excuse me. So uh, I'm growing up in a mostly white society, and uh, and that so I stand out a little bit visually, right? And I asked my parents that question. I was like, Why would God find dark skin to be a punishment? And they didn't have an answer, and that was kind of odd, but you know. That, that was the way it was and i'm not angry about it but it, it um it definitely can impact people later on in life mm -hmm. right especially the religious type of religious type of stuff and when it comes to thinking and believing I was taught to think one thing about Jesus and God. But I didn't for something and this is where I'm kind of this is where I'm kind of like, wow, you know, there's a lot of similarities between your story and and mine. My mother's a retired nurse also. She worked in oncology and hospice and and she she saw a lot of the similar things that you saw in terms of people passing. And um so when it comes to the thinking and the believing what I was thinking about Jesus and God was less than it was. He's this demanding figure, kind of like Santa Claus, right? Like hanging over your head, like do good. And I'll give you what, you know, and, and I'll give you what you want. You write your list and we'll, and, you know, <laughs> and I'll answer all your prayers, right? That kind of give take relationship, but it didn't seem to fit. And I think Santa Claus really helped it make me make it not fit so well for me because, you know, everybody knows who Santa Claus is, right? And the idea, yeah. the idea of of telling kids that they have to be perfect and be good all year round, you know, we we were gonna we were gonna record this earlier a couple of weeks ago, and one of my sons got sick, and Bridget was very forgiving of me. We both have kids. We both know that kids and people, it is impossible to be good all year round. Yet we hang this holiday on the same holiday we celebrate the birth of Christ, the Savior, the one who says, you can't do it perfect. And I know it. And I'm here to show you mercy and love and forgiveness if you believe it. And that is the crazy thing about hearing your story growing up and then thinking about mine growing up and how... These things from and then you then you 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 fell back to purgatory too. You're like, well, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, that Catholicism, <laughs> that Catholicism stuck in there, didn't it? It's a funny thing how those it's a funny thing how that stuff sticks around, you know. And as we as we age and mature in this world, we start sorting these things out because they don't go away. Yeah. They they don't go away, they stick around because this life does matter. And it's very cool to hear you talk about the things that you're seeing, experiencing, and observing with people and in you're paying attention and taking it seriously instead of just being like, yeah, whatever. Cause there, there's some folks that just do that until something else happens. And then maybe attention is, is a given. And, um, uh, and that was a big difference for me when it came to, cause I, I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I didn't want anything to do with Jesus after that. I was like, no, thank you. I cannot meet the standard. And that was the difference is I was taught to think that the standard was the standard and it wasn't. And but something deep inside really told me that there's something better. 
Now, so I went looking other places, right? You go looking other places. Yeah. And then, you know, throughout a series of things and and hearing people speak about it, because when I read the Bible, it was like, you know, I just, I, I when I read scripture, it was like, golly, it just can't help but feel this condemning, like, you can't do this. You don't measure up. Look at yourself. There's no way you meet the standard. And it wasn't even relaxing. It was stressful to read the Bible, right? And that spiritual type of stress, not like the, hey, you got a math test on tomorrow. Not that kind of stress. This is like your existence and being, that kind of stress. And that's a different type of thing. So um, the believing, you know, I, was, I knew that there was something else out there so when i was seeking it i kept running into more of the same <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not putting other religions down i'm just saying that when i ran when i looked at hinduism buddhism philosophies they had a lot of rules they had a lot of rules they're just different rules but when you boil it down it's still about performance and that's what it was totally lost in on how i was taught to think about jesus is that the focus was performance. It wasn't mercy and grace and love and forgiveness, right? It wasn't, that's what we're to receive because that's what we're going to, that is what's going to heal us. And then we can walk out with confidence and trust. And that was, that was, uh, and that's the difference between thinking and believing. And the fact that you understood that difference when you're talking about it for your you know, we're talking about, just like you said, this is pretty deep stuff. That stuff matters. So for listeners, I hope if you haven't thought about it that way, rewind this thing a few times and, and listen to it again, because Bridget makes some really good points about, about thinking and believing about your life. What do you think and believe about your life? All right, Bridget, I went out for a long time right there too. So I apologize for that. No problem. Um, I want to respect your time. Do you have anything you want to share with listeners and how they can get in touch with you or anything else you want to share with listeners before we close out? Um, no, I think that's everything. Yeah. Um, my, you can find me, um, um, at my, uh, my website, which is, uh, Watson Favero cannabis consultant.ca. Um, or, um, my email, which is linked there as well. Um, and yeah, well, I'd reach out anytime if you have any questions about, uh, cannabinoid therapy. And you're on LinkedIn. You said it's Rot, Wat, uh, Bridget Watson hyphen F-A-V-A-A-R-O. And now can, can people in the United States pay for your services? And if they have a medical outlet here in the United States, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So for a consult, yeah, I can't prescribe in the right, States, right, but yeah, 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 I can give them like medical information for sure. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Anything else you want to share with listeners, Bridget? Anything else at all? No, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking with you too. It was very much a good time. All right, everybody. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. Our special guest is Bridget Watson Favaro. She's a nurse practitioner and a medical cannabis clinic and consultant owner in Ontario, Canada. Check her out. Love you all.